welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight, again, as always, is Josh Cacho. Josh, how are you feeling? Pretty good. Like I said, I think it's one of those games where even after the, the second watch, I'm still encouraged by a lot of the things that happened. Obviously, you never want to tie, and um, you know we'd rather you know come away with the win. But at the same time, I think it was the it was a the steps that were taken were ones that are encouraging as we head into the playoff stretch. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those games that uh, if it is in the playoffs, LAFC is going to find a way to to win that match, um, and probably an extra time without going to to penalties uh just the the dynamism that's been added back into the way that they're playing right now is enough to make me confident going headed into the playoffs where you're in these must-win situations so it'll be interesting to see in the next couple weeks what happens but uh anything specific that you saw in this rewatch that you want to go over real at the beginning yeah i mean i think one of the things that you know that i've i've kind of harped on throughout the year is is the balance, right? It's balance of how the midfield and fullbacks and all those things work. And we saw it, you know, for for that, you know, kind of that negative stretch of football that we had played for with the last four or five games prior to the, the Houston win. Um, you know, one of the things that had really become a problem for the team was getting caught in transition with the fullbacks pushed up and some of those things and what, you know, how the midfield was advancing forward and those types of it and that that sort of thing and i think this was the game that you saw a lot of those things fixed because you didn't you know you for the last two games really you haven't seen lafc get beat on the counter at all right comparatively to what you know it wasn't until i think the somewhere in the second half where you you know you started this when they brought in angelo rodriguez where you saw a little bit of his ability to kind of you know hold up play and do different things and he did it fairly well but it wasn't to the extent that we had been seeing um you know in in previous games where you had that ball being lumped over the top of harvey and so on and so forth or or you know the the midfield trying to just kind of press forward and then leave no cover and then you know then if they get turned over then they're leaving exposure in the midfield that sort of thing i think what you saw was you know really just organized and 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 i think like the the patterns of play where there are some of the different things and so you would see um beta short you know i think i had texted it to you where he was almost playing more as a defensive mil- midfielder in that kind of pep guardiola um, i think it's a two three two three in terms of how they're in how they're set up in possession and so yeah where you see the the fullbacks kind of sit at midfield. And it doesn't mean that they're not pushing up at times, but it's definitely one of those things where, you know, again, they're he, they're a little bit more reserved. They're playing alongside Atuesta in the middle of the field, which now allows Atuesta to get forward when he needs to, right? To hit that, kind of hit, to hit that, um, you know, that, that line breaking pass or whatever it may be, you know, but at the, while still having cover, you know, behind him, if, if, you know, things were to break down. And so you'll see, you know, Palacios move up right every now and then, but again, they're, they're, they were just a little bit more reserved and they were really only splitting out wide when the forwards cut in. Right. So it was very much, it was a little bit more deliberate as opposed to sometimes it seems like it's a little bit, more reckless abandon in terms of how they push forward and some of those different things. And so, you know, like I said, we, we would see at times where it's essentially like the two, the two, the two center backs, one midfielder, and then everyone else is pushed forward 
right? And, and when they get caught on the counter, they really get caught on the counter. Um, and so with with some of the changes that they made, they just seemed like they were in more control, you know, through the majority of the game. And then, you know, and really just controlling some of those balls over the top. And on having obviously having Blackman's athleticism there, you know, you saw him sweep up and clean up a couple of those areas too. So the balance to me in terms of off, you know, space versus possession, you know, when they're in possession, are they still occupying the maximum amount of space to prevent some of those counters? And that's, I think, one of those things that they struck better comparatively to previous games. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that you just mentioned about Blackman is, I think, really important. Uh, I still think I prefer him as a right back, but um, one of the things that I noticed about him in this match is that he would frequently keep pace with the strikers, whether it was Rodriguez or Toy, um, and he'd be able to sweep a ball to the outside. Oftentimes, he'd come across Eddie Segura, um, or you know, if Beta Shore is playing central and you know, almost as a defensive midfielder sometimes, then and a ball was played in behind it, you know, in that left-hand channel um, behind the right behind the right back. Blackman would go out and track that ball, and then Beta Shore just drops in central right so mm-hmm. because beta starting central he's able to remain there and you're able to to defend that counterattack a little bit faster with you know either either blackman you've seen walker zimmerman do it a handful of times too and and given that they're both pretty solid uh defending 1v1 it works pretty well so i think that's one of the ways to if you do have beta shore on the on the pitch that's one of the ways to kind of prevent uh from being uh for lack of a better term christian pavoned while, while you're out there um, where you just give your time, your defense a little bit more time to recover as you get a center back popping out to defend that a little bit quicker. Well, yeah. And even, even that, you know, that big, that ball that's lumped up to the center striker, right. And, you know, Segura's had a little bit of trouble, you know, matching mm-hmm. that physicality. But now when you have Blackman playing in behind and, and kind of to help clean that up, and when you when you know that Beta Shore is going to sit, occasionally, yeah, the ball gets hit back across the face, and Beta Shore is slightly too slow to get there, whatever it may be. But when you know that you know you have that center back to clean it behind, you know you're basically just going to bracket bracket there that center forward. So if he tries to flick it beyond where usually they have like an on running um, winger or something like that, the center back behind, whether it's Beta, um, Blackman or or Zimmerman, cleans that up. Right, if it's a ball that's trying to flick back to the middle, then Beta Shore is there. So, again, I think they've done things to try and eliminate. You know, you're starting to see some of those elements that they've added in to try and eliminate what's hurt the. You know, what what we've been hurt with so far, which is again, uh, either target striker posted up on on Eddie Segura or hitting those long balls over the top over over the top of the left fullback, and so some of those things are starting to get cleaned up a little bit, which is, again is a is a welcome sign. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some other things that, uh, have been, have, you know, I've gotten a lot of run in the last couple of days, um, and that we should probably talk about is the, uh, the Miller versus Cisniega debate is still raging. Nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows who's better. Nobody knows, you know, what Bob is thinking about the situation. Um, and I, we talked a little bit before the show about does it really matter all that much? Um, because they, because nobody's jumped out to actually steal the, the position 
does it, you know, is anybody really all that much better? Josh, who are you riding with into the playoffs and why? For a long time, you know, because of the because of the continuity issue, right, that you saw come up, you know, with, you know, it just seemed like maybe Walker and and uh, and Cisnega weren't on the same page at times, and some of the communication things that seemed to happen along the back line when Cisnega played. I was I definitely for a, for a while was you know def, a Miller defender and was you know and was rooting for him to continue to keep his spot. However, I think as we head into the playoffs, right, and especially because it's single elimination, the one thing that I think you you have from Cisnega, yeah, maybe the distribution is not quite the same. There's a few little things here and there that I think he needs to work on. What you haven't sustained that I'm not sure you get from Miller is just a match winner, right? Like you see it flash at certain times when you, it's a goal that that other team should have, but he just makes the perfect kick save or just happens to cut the angle off right or just go to ground at the right time where he just, you know, maybe is in risk of wiping out the defender, but who cares, right? He 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 has that in him where I think he he's a guy that can win you a match when you really need him to. Whereas again, I, I'm not sure... I I can see that from Miller in the same light, right? He's solid, you know, Miller is solid. He's going to play aggressive. He's going to do those different things. But I feel like to a certain degree, there's a cap and a limit to what you're going to ultimately get production-wise from him versus I think there's, we're not so sure what that is quite yet for Cisneg in terms of what his ceiling is. And because, again, as you head into a single elimination playoff, you have to, I think you have to have that guy, right, who can who can make that big save when you really need it because again, I think that's going to be the difference between, you know, in a in a tight game where they're bunkering or whatever it may be or you know, so you're playing against a bunker, you know, RSL or a team that is going to sit back in the playoffs. You're going to need a guy like Cisnega to make that match-winning save on a counterattack, you know, one time a game, right? While we continue to pepper, you know, Nick Romando or whoever, you know, whoever's in goal with shots. And so I think that's that's where I've started to come now to this point is that, again, given the format of the playoffs and those different things, you need a match winner. And I think that's what Cisnega brings to the table. Again, there's a little bit of things here and there that left to be desired, but I think given the amount of time that we have available to us before the that initial playoff game um, or between this weekend's game and then the playoff game, I think you're going to start to see um, you know, some of those things start to develop. Or they'll have that time to figure those things out. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. I a lot was made about Cisniega's distribution on Twitter and uh, in some of the shows that I've listened to, but I don't really know what. I mean, aside from him just playing probably a little too conservative, I don't see him making like errors per se. Maybe errors in judgment where he could play a ball. I think there are maybe two or three times where he clears a ball upfield for a 50-50 that probably could have been, you know, played between two forwards for Beta Shore, Palacios, or whoever it is. Uh, I And I do think on the, the goal kick that everybody's going to about him uh, giving away an opportunity, I still think uh, he slips on the turf there and, and just mishits it as a result. So, I'm, again, I'm not sure if you can if you can hold him to that. I do think that with Miller, you see a guy who's confident in coming out. We saw it several times in the Houston match um, where he's 
more than willing to come out and sweep something up and, you know, keep a, a, an attack from, from actually developing because he's so aggressive coming out. But then again, you see him shy away from contact against uh, the, the man down south with Zlatan. Um, where on the second goal, and I think it's Zlatan's second goal in the second El Trafico, he uh, just completely, you know, he's like trying to stand up and, and tackle Zlatan as if he's, you know, Virgil van Dyke or something, I, instead of just going to ground and taking him out for being in the box, you know. Uh, so that's the thing. Sometimes you just get these mental errors where he seems to switch off and you don't know what's going on. So I think your point about Pablo being a match winner, whereas sometimes you have Miller switch off at critical moments in the match, and that could end up costing you a game. So uh, do I think it's all that big of a deal for Miller? Personally, for me, no. Uh, Honestly, I'm confident with either one of these guys. I just want the insanity to end of, all right, now he's the guy. No, 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 now he's the guy. No, well, we're going to give this other guy a shot. Just pick somebody and go. Like that's that's why you're a coach. That's why you're in training every single day with these guys. So just make a decision and live with it. Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, some of the like the distribution things. I think it's just gonna take. You know, it's is he comfortable with the specific patterns of play that the guys that he's playing with, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, something like I think there was a podcast I recently listened to talking about um, the difference between. Um, What's his now? The national team keeper, Zach Stefan, right? Yeah. And so some of the struggles he's had in terms of playing from the back with the national team versus playing with his his club team, and you know he's so used to doing certain things because they rep it and they drill it every single day in practice. Well, if if Bob hasn't made that decision and he's going back and forth, you know, with between Miller and and Cisnega, who's getting those reps? with beta shore or with, you know, and so maybe Cisnega is really comfortable about playing from the back when he's playing with Blackman out there because he knows where Blackman's going to be. But if it's been flipped and he hasn't had that opportunity to know where beta is going to be in or where, where Zimmerman's going to be because they don't, they haven't decided on that, on who's the number one. Well, then again, you're going to have some of those things and he's at least smart enough to play conservatively in that, in that sense. And so that's where, you know, I think, and Miller's worst performances have come where he started, in games where he's had a rotated back line, right? I think that's where you've seen Miller play the worst, where, again, those those comfortable patterns aren't quite there because you're not sure quite where people are going to be. And so I think that that's something that hopefully they'll be able to fix and kind of change heading into these last games where they they settle on one and then for the next three weeks, right, as you wait for that playoff game to occur, you're just drilling and drilling and drilling and understanding where where people are going to be because you've now had all that time to sit in there and figure it out. Right. As opposed to switching off and not taking reps. It, you know, that's the reason why, you know, in American football, right. You don't have your back recording, taking reps all week. And yeah. there's, there it's, there's a, there's a certain part of this game that is, that is, you know, rehearsed and organized and, you know, and it's somewhat of a dance. And if you haven't done, if you don't know the steps because you haven't been in the game, then it's hard to expect, to perform when the time comes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I think sometimes soccer's looked at, you know, one of the things that I love about it is it's, it's a player's sport, right? Even though you have these, uh, these big personalities and, and Klopp 
and Pep, and I mean, even Bob to some extent, not that he's in the same <laughs> stratosphere as the other two, but um, so I think sometimes we overvalue what managers do in matches. Um, of course, they, they're setting the lineups and everything and, and giving them the principles of play, but one of the things that I love about it is ultimately it's 11 guys on the field trying to figure it out together. Um, and the coach is limited to just yelling stuff from the box, you know, whereas in American football, for example, every single play is dictated by the coach and there are extremely, uh, specific assignments for each, uh, for each player on the field, given whatever that coach wants to call in for that down. Um, so that's one of the things that I love about the game, but I think it often leads to the idea that they sometimes have no influence. Um, but those rehearsals are important. There's, I think, uh, in the, we are LAFC documentary, there's, you know, Bob, that's one of the things that they highlight Bob doing a lot is they're on the training field and he's out there just screaming because somebody passed the ball to the fullback instead of the, into Atuesta because there's more, you know, there's more passes from Atuesta than there are from Jordan Harvey, whoever is playing left back at that point. Um, so I, I think I think that is interesting to to think about. Yeah, and I, I think you said I think once they if they finally set on the keeper, those are the things that you'll start to see come up better. You'll see the distribution improve. You'll see the communication improve. And again, it's just about reps, right? It's doing yeah. it over and over yeah. and over until you feel comfortable. And again, I think that's probably why you've seen a little bit of that uncertainty from both of them at times because, again, we don't know to what. To what extent and to what degree are they are they able to do it in practice because of the rotation? So, you know, right, right. All right. Well, one of the other things that uh, we've talked about a lot here on the show is what the front three should look like, Josh. Um, and there were some there were there was a little bit made from the national guys, Matt Doyle and whatnot, on what on how the front three were, three were playing and how they look best going into this match with Colorado um, and, and the playoffs. What did you, what do you think based on what you saw against Minnesota and against, uh, against Houston? What are you thinking about when it comes to that front three? You know, initially I was excited about the thought of, of Carlos Vela playing in that false nine role and some of the things we've seen, because obviously that was the messy role. That was his, you know, that was where he shined. But then I, started to think about it a little bit and the reason why he shined there, you know, and in, in the, in the league, in the leagues, in the games that he played in there, you know, were against top tier teams, right? They're teams that aren't sitting back. They're teams that are coming for, they're going to do different things. They're going to play an open brand of football, those types of things. That's where that false nine can really shine, right? The false nine doesn't shine when there's 15 center backs sitting in front of you. Right. <laughs> Um, and beginning because it doesn't make it's just at, at that point against the majority you know a lot of the teams in the league and then especially the end of the playoffs where it, it is going to clamp down and become more defensive you know and that's one of the f- things about American sports right the playoffs the defense just ratchets you know across every sport once you hit the playoffs defense just ratchets it up to a second level you know yeah. it's like they you know whether it's football American football basketball whatever it may be you always see come playoff time, defense just again be- becomes a whole nother animal and a whole nother. Yeah, beast. I, th- I think the NBA is the best example, honestly, where you have things like, well, that's not a foul in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, 
That is like a whole different rule. Whatever book, that right? means. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, the MLS version of that, right, is that when you get to the playoffs, everyone just bunkers in and parks the bus way more yeah. than before. Right. And they basically will play like Minnesota did when they came to the bank. Right. They're going to sit back. They're going to counter. They're going to do those different types of things. And so does it make sense to have Vela play in that false nine and then run forward into a block of three, you know, into three center backs as opposed to being playing him out wider? Right. Which is what you saw from, um, you know, the adjustment that Bob made in the second half was to feature Vela at, on that left on or sorry, move Vela back on the right in his normal position and then have um have Diego Rossi play through the cent- through the middle with um Rodriguez out left. You know, mm-hmm. I th- honestly like when you look at how how much better the flow was and some of those things in the second half, to me that's probably your best your best bet moving forward again is Vela on the right where he's done most of his damage. Um, Rossi through the middle again where I think he's actually probably most effective and then um, obviously Rodriguez on the other on the other side yeah I, I I honestly agree I don't think Rossi is a perfect solution as a center striker um, because I mean finishing ability his size um, and I I don't know that I trust him to bring the ball down after being, you know, after the ball's been played through the midfield, for example, to bring it, uh, to bring it down, turn it, and then and then fire in a shot. I think he's mostly, I think he's best with the game in front of him, but his ability to stretch the center backs vertically, I think, is really crucial for the wingers being able to tuck in um, inside when they're on the ball, and. I think if you have Rodriguez and Vela, who are both pretty electric when they're on the ball uh, out wide, you're going to open up space because the fullbacks are going to have to come out and challenge, and you're going to have to put a midfielder there because they're both guys that you have to double team. So they're going to both draw defenders. And a team like Minnesota, who is very good defensively um, by by MLS standards, even they were putting eight guys behind the ball for most of the game. Um, and they're playing very, very narrow, very compact because they know that's where we want to go. We want to go right between the center backs. or We want to play that ball in between the center back and the fullback to the guy making the overlapping run. And that's been taken away. And it's going to be, it's going to continue to be taken away by teams who play three or five in the back, especially. And we've seen Minnesota do that uh, already. Um, we know that Atlanta likes to play with three in the back, not that we would, you know, be seeing them for a while. And to be honest, the only team that I think we would face that doesn't play that way would be NYCFC. Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Seattle's a good one. one. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I think, I think of New York because their fullbacks play so high. I mean, they really are, uh, I would I would actually refer to them more as wing backs, even though they don't play in a in a five man back line. Well, I um, think they have been, if I remember right. I think that was one of the changes that Domi Torrent made in this second mm-hmm. half. I mean, in the second, you know, they kind of had okay. a little bit of a they had to kind of turn things around after kind of a rough start, right, to okay. start the season. I thought they still had Alexander Ring dropping in between the center backs, but yeah. I. I could easily be wrong. He may be, but from what I I think, if I remember right, he, they're playing more of like a um, three five two, okay, type of okay. thing again. 
Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I do think you waste a lot of uh, Vela's talent by sitting him in between two center backs who are playing narrow and behind at least one defensive midfielder, oftentimes two, where he gets on the ball, you know, the ball, let's say the ball from Atuesta comes in on the ground. He's got one touch to do something brilliant and then turn and fire. And I mean, even in this game, you see a couple times he gets a shot off, but he's never really able to put his laces all the way through the ball and, and place the shot like he would normally because there's just not enough time. So the one thing I worry about with Rossi when he's in the middle like that, if he's being covered up his his first touch, I don't know if he's going to be able to control that ball and be able to turn it like he should, but um, maybe it'll open up something for the cross behind the line as well. I, Palacios, I think, had one or two crosses that went right across the six, and, I mean, absolutely nobody was there to to try and poke it in, so... I feel like that's been missing from our from our. Well, team. and you saw you saw Vela, you know, he, I think acknowledged that he he should have got on the end of that one after yeah, the, after yeah. the fact, and so I think it's one of those things where obviously as as Palacios continues to vet into the into the side and they they kind of learn how to play together, you'll probably start to see a little bit more of that as a tactic, um, you know, from LAFC. So I I think it's just one of those things where you get it's the first time they're playing with him and some of those things. So it's probably why. You know, you don't you don't expect him to hit such a nice ball across mm-hmm. the face of goal just because again, when was the last time you saw an LAFC player do that ever? Right. Right. And so right. obviously it's a welcome sight for us. And mm-hmm. also I think the one one of the other things that was pretty neat was the diagonal ball that that began because we talked about beta not pushing up so high. You saw him hit kind of a diagonal ball across the field to um to Palacios. Right, and that kind of is another way that they've been able to shift the defense away. And then as that defense shifts in reaction to that ball to Palacios, then you see Vela being able to come across, you know, to to slide in behind space and, you know, get on the end of that cross. And so, you know, I think there's a couple different options they have, and I think it's exciting to see how, obviously it'll be exciting to see how they end up using it, you know, moving forward. Yeah, one of the, as you bring up Palacios there, um, I've on second watch again, I'm still thrilled about this kid. He is so great on the ball again. Sure. Very sure tackler. Um, and you know, winning several balls in the, in our attacking third and able to, you know, basically jumpstart an attack straight from there. Um, that that's going to be invaluable against bunker teams where, uh, we need a little more creativity on the, on the wing and we've seen Brian Rodriguez, uh, he, how he likes to, to come in on his right foot, obviously. And he draws plenty of attention because he is so good on the ball. Being able to have Palacio streaking down the wing, um, where let's say, for example, they do this, they give him, they give Rodriguez the Vela tri- treatment and send the center back and the fullback out to get him and maybe, maybe even the defensive midfielder. Um, but nobody's nobody is following Palacios because they're so sucked into what Rodriguez is doing on the ball. Uh, now you have a guy overlapping with speed who is going to put in great crosses. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, and I think he has a little bit of attack in them too. I mean, obviously we didn't see yeah. him do it in this game, but I think from what we've seen 
you know, from some of the, you know, from, you know, when he signed with, you know, some of the things we saw when he signed with the team, I definitely think he has it in there. And so I think mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see as he continues to get comfortable with the team, how, he, you know, how those, how some of those things will start to come off, you know, again, one in, in through the run of play, once he feels more comfortable. And I think, again, like we were talking about with, with Cisniega and some of those things, like, that pattern of play and repping it and having experience doing it over and over and over again is extremely important. And yeah. I think again, that's hopefully what you'll start to see from they'll be able to, what, what they'll be able to get him over the next, you know, couple of weeks here now. Yeah. So we didn't talk about this, about doing this, but I think this might be a good way, especially since we didn't take any questions tonight. Um, maybe, maybe the best thing to do is to give our starting 11 for the match against Colorado. I think we're both on the same page that you have to use this match as a bit of a tune-up for the playoffs where you have this one final match and then you're, you're on a bye for a week or two. I can't remember how long it is that until we play again. Um, so you use this match to basically trot out what you're going to be using in the playoffs. Is that how you feel about this match, by the way? I think so. You know, like I said, it's one of the, especially because you still have, the opportunity to set records and some of those things, mm-hmm. you know, I think Bob, you know, Bob will use that as a motivating tool, even though again, it yeah. does it really matter? Not so much, you know, but at the same time, you know, I think it considering how good this team is, it's, it's, it's another step that I think is important to the legacy to make sure that it didn't show that we faltered down the stretch and do those types of things. And so you finish with this, the rec, the points record, it, it, it's like one of those things where winning cures a lot of ailments and gives you that confidence yeah. as you move forward as well. Right. Um, so are you good on the Minnesota match then? Do you want to go through starting 11 for Colorado? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So uh, Colorado is on a bit of a hot streak. I think they've won five of six or something like that. Um, kind of reminds me of, you know, uh, San Jose putting it together back in, I don't know when that was, June or July where they were, kind of on their hot streak um so and this is a team that we've lost to one of the few this year um on a set piece on a set piece and they they keep winning on set pieces so uh josh you already said that you'd be starting cisniega in the playoffs are you are you rolling cisniega this week yeah, I think you go for me. It's Sistega at keeper. I'm probably making a change going with. Ooh, I'm gonna think. I'm gonna go with Palacios on the left again, just because I think he again just to get continue to get more reps. Mm-hmm. And again, he probably comes off at sixty or whatever. Maybe those there'll be a planned time for him to come off. Um, and then I think you need to get Walker back in there with um, with Cisnega more than anything to just continue to develop those relationships yeah. and that communication, and then Beta out wide, right? And then you can make you know, and then middle of the park. I'm for this one. Oh man, it, it depends on how Colorado comes out and plays, right? So if 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 they're actually going to play a little bit more open, which they do to a certain degree. Um, I think they're coming for this match, by the yeah. way. Yeah, well, they, especially since this, they that's hired. Their, that's their only. Court. They can get into the playoffs with a win, and then, you know, I think Dallas has to lose, and Portland has to lose, or something like that. There's a couple teams that have to lose, and uh, but they have an outside shot. They, they right. do, but they have to win. Yeah, 
Yeah. And so if they're going to come after it a little bit, and I think since they hired um, Robin Frazier, I think is their, is their new mm-hmm. coach, he, he's been very much very much high on them being more of a passing team. You know, obviously not to the extent of LAFC, but he has, you know, has, has, you know, basically allowed them to do some of those things. And, you know, again, the middle of their park, you know, I, I think it's what Kellen Acosta, Jack Price, and some of those other guys, you know, you, Jack Price, who their midfield does like to get forward. And it's one of those things where they've been reliant on Lalas Bubakar to kind of clean things up. And so I think it's going to be more open than I think we, than the last one. And the last one had a bunch of weird stuff because wasn't that the one with the weather delay? Right in the middle of the game, there was like a lightning storm, I think. Maybe. I, I think feel like there it... was. I think you're right. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that game wound up going really late. Yeah. I remember thinking there was like a weird, weird weather thing in that one. And so, you know, there was a lot of things that, that went wrong there. And then, you know, and then scored on that set piece, right? So, I to me, it's one of those things where I think they what they end up doing is is very much that is you see our the normal midfield, right? If they're going to play more attacking, and if price and price is their kind of their their guy who dictates their offense, you you'll probably go back to the Latif, Mark Anthony K at Twesta midfield, and Latif plays that anti ten role where he just kind of shuts down their playmaker, um, mm-hmm. you know, by being annoying. Um, and then your front three is again, I think, uh, Villa on the right, Rodriguez on the left, and then uh, Rossi central. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, uh, man, I know I said Bob just needs to make a decision on the keeper and, and ride with it, and I know I put the screws to you on it as well. I still, I still have no idea. Uh, so just to make it interesting, I'm gonna say you run out Miller. Uh, you know what? No, nah, I'm going to go honest on this. If it were me putting together this lineup, this is exactly what I would do, I guess. I, I go Cisniega with Palacios, Segura, Zimmerman, and I actually play Blackman because I think in the playoffs you're going to need him to um, to add a little something in the attack. Uh, I know that may expose us a little bit defensively, but I think... Uh, against these bunker teams, that's what you're going to need. I also like the matchup uh, with him out there on set pieces as opposed to, to Beta Shore, who got bossed on one or two headers in the last match. Um, I I am okay with returning to the midfield, but I definitely want to see Lee win subbed on in the 60th minute, depending on how the match is, either for K or for, or for Blessing. Uh, and then same front three, as you said, I want... I want uh, Vela on the right, Rodriguez on the left, and then Rossi central. So I feel like we're pretty close. I think the only difference we had there was uh, was Blackman. Yeah, um, and I, and I think even for that one, like I'm okay if, if Blackman gets a start there. But I think from from I feel like they're gonna play one of the two, right? Of the, one of the two veterans there, right? Again, right. Just for just for the sake of continuity and some of those things as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I, th- I do think the more important one is uh, is Palacios. If you're gonna play, if you're only gonna play one of the kids for uh, for lack of a better term, I I want you to see, I want to see Palacios out there because I want him to like, kind of like you said to get those reps uh, and to get a little bit more time with the team to settle. And I mean, 
in all honesty, it's a bit of a low pressure environment for us because everything is secure at this point, other than records. Um, you can you can run them out there and you know give them one one more shot before the playoffs. Uh, and then even if he doesn't start, you can bring in Elvenier or Harvey, and then you can be using Palacios as a as a weapon, as a sub off the bench. So I don't know. I feel pretty comfortable with that. Anything mm-hmm. else to say about that lineup? No, you know, like I said, I, Elmanir may be a good shot shot there also, right? If you play, you know, like an Elmanir Blackman like you saw against Houston, yeah, right? yeah. which is mm-hmm. is both the right amount of offense and you know, a good it strikes a good balance between offense and defense, right? Um, yeah. But I'd ha- I'd have to think about Colorado and who, where where they're you know they you know they play um, Kai Kamara up top, and I'm trying to remember who. If they have like that winger that really has given, shown to give anyone trouble, but I mean it's not like RSL to me is the one that really has that person and like a you know like a Jefferson Severino that kind of yeah. that you have to think twice about man and make sure that you have you know people are staying at home, you know mm-hmm. a little bit you're being a little bit more cautious is what I'm saying. With, I mean I think with the your closest fullbacks. would be Shinyashiki, right? But yeah, but he's not fast, right? In nah, that in I that mean, same not... vein. Yeah, he's got a that sweet mustache, but. <laughs> As all good players do. Yeah, I mean, look um, at the guy, the quarterback from Jacksonville. Yeah, Gardner Minshew. If, 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 if Vela shaves, shave, cuts his hair and grows a mustache, this team will go undefeated next year. I'm calling it now. <laughs> Instead oh, of growing man. the hair out, he just grows a stash out. Yeah, yeah. So he winds up with a big Fu Manchu by the end of the season. Uh, I mean, I'm all yeah, about that. Something. <laughs> and, then, and then he wears a headband on his mustache instead. Yeah, like the old, like the old sweatband. The yes, uh, yeah, the Jim McMahon headband. Uh, I'm about that life. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Well, I mean, I feel like we've completely gone off the rails in the last uh, couple minutes. Here, we're talking about starting 11s for what's going to be the last game match of the season, even though everything's all wrapped up. Talk about mustaches. Uh, Josh, is there anything else we need to get to tonight? No, I mean, from a tactical perspective, you know, like I said, I think we pointed out a lot of the things that, you know, they've done a little bit differently, you know, heading into the playoffs. And, you know, again, I think there, it, this is one of those things where I think it, the biggest question that we have to ask ourselves is, or that the team has to ask ourselves is who is their best eleven? Right. Who is the team's mm-hmm. best eleven that in a game against Carson to go to the MLS Cup, right? Or in the MLS Cup, who is the team that you're going to put out there, right? And yeah. you know, again, and you know, obviously, there's there's questions that we have that you have to ask in terms of you know leadership, veteran continuity, da 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 da, those types of things. And obviously, those are really tough questions to answer you know, in, in, in the situation. But I think it, those are, you know, obviously that's what, that's why they, that's why they're paying Bob, right. Is to make those calls, you know, when, with the money on the line. And so, you know, like for you, right. Out, out, you know, with, I think really it's just the fullback and keeper are the, and mid, you know, like maybe one midfield spot, the two fullback positions, you know, and then keeper, who is that lineup that you're, you're taking to win the match. Right. 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 You know, you one know. thing I did want to ask, actually, um, yeah, I've been I've been mulling it over the past couple of days, is is this two three two three with the fullbacks playing a bit more central, 
and making runs, you know, making overlapping runs as opposed to just kind of playing wide and high for so for such extended periods of time. Is this Bob preparing not to park the bus because we know he's not going to change that. We know that he's still going to go chase the game. But is this him preparing for a more defensive shape in the playoffs? Where I think you know, I think so. Sit a two three two three rather than whatever we've called it the two three five the two three four two whatever it is I, I have no idea. But to me, it seems like a it seems a bit like maybe this is him getting ready. Yeah, I mean because you have to think like you know if there's if you go on to I think you tweeted out was that Tifa football explaining the Jurgen Klopp mm-hmm. versus Pep Guardiola conundrum and how Pep yeah. was able to kind of figure things out towards the end. You know, obviously right now it's kind of been, been a stalemate in the Premier League, but in the past, some of the changes that Pep made. And one of the things I think you've seen it from LAFC too was, again, the first half, they kind of pulled back that press a little bit, right? Yeah. And it, it's pull back the press. You let their passing and the possession kind of be the thing that just kind of wears you out. And then in the second half, that's when you they just turn it up to a whole nother level, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, where are you down with with the pace? Where are you down with some of those things? Or, you know, let get let Rossi and, and Rodriguez get out, you know, and make these runs, get out in space, and, and you're chasing them for an entire half. And then the second half, when you can take a Latif blessing and just ratchet up the pressure to another level, Right, as opposed to ratcheting it up for ninety minutes, right? It's mm-hmm. forty-five and then come at you, right? And, and I think that's probably the closest thing you are going to see to Bob playing more. You know, it's the it's the closest thing you're going to see to him playing being a little bit more pragmatic, and it's you know revert a little bit back to U.S. Men's National Team Bob for forty minutes, you know, forty forty-five minutes, and then the second half just turn it up to another level. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's again, it's probably the closest thing you're going to see to to what we've you know that to what you know you it's it's that 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 minor adjustment that I think the team can make that allows you to 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 feel your way into things, you know. And I think that's the one mistake that they've made, you know, that they made against Carson, right, or even against Atlanta to a certain degree, where everything is so hyped up that you do you play out of character, right? You you smash balls in the midfield that you didn't need to and those types of things. And then you finally settle down in the last, you know, 70 minutes of a game and then you just completely dominate. Right. I think that's where you'll probably see right that in that second half with teams wanting to sit back. Okay. If you're going to sit back, then we'll, you know, we can just sit here in a mid block and, you know, and then eventually you're going to have to come out. Right. And when they start to try and creep out the play, then you can ramp, ramp, ramp yeah. that up. Right. It's, I it's mean, we saw it. We saw it against Minnesota just, you know, just the other day, where the goal we scored isn't necessarily a counterattack, but it. I mean, you're playing it out from the back. I think it's Segura that plays the first pass on that, but um, you have Brian Rodriguez driving at the back line, and Minnesota's all trying to recover because you know we had just turned the ball over, so. That's how that's how we're gonna have to get teams. You have to draw them out, like you said, somehow. And if it's you know making them sweat a little bit by uh, pulling back and, and not being able to play through us, then and them having to push numbers up, you know, I, then then that's what we that's what we have to do. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm I am excited to see who our matchup is gonna end up being. 
because I think that determines again, not like you said, not that Bob is going to change the way he plays, but what minor adjustments he can make. And I think things like sitting the fullbacks a bit more central and a bit deeper are adjustments that he's comfortable making without compromising the principle, the romance of his, of his playing style. Yeah. His principles. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing, right? It's like, how do you, how do you, how do you make sure that you can be smart about your gameplay without abandoning the principles that got you here? Mm-hmm. Right. And the principles that got us here has been, you know, again, this possession style, this, this and that and that. And then, so how, what, what minor things can you do to not completely abandon that? Like you're saying, but then still, but then still be smart about how you go about it. And I think yeah. this is probably the closest thing to that, you know, from, you know, the, from some of the calls that we saw from, you know, in the past from like, Oh, we need to go to a, um, you know, we need to go to a five band back line or, or play, you know, different things like that. And I think you, you've seen calls and for some of those things from, you know, from the fan base, but I obviously, I, you know, we both know that Bob's never going to do that. Right. Right. But the closest, you know, but I think knowing that, you know, he has this up up his sleeve gives you a little bit more, um, you know, it gives you a little bit more comfort if, you know, if anything, knowing that, you know, he does have an ace up his sleeve to be able to pull this out, you know, Mm -hmm. that gives us a little bit more stability while still, again, staying, staying true to what's got us this far. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, anything else, Josh, are we good for the night? No, I think we're good. And looking forward to the next match. Okay. We will talk to you all after the Colorado match on uh, the very cynically named decision day brought to you by AT&T presented by Audi home Depot, whatever, you know, MLS has a hundred sponsors. And that's, if you ask me why they have playoffs is so they have something else that they could sponsor, <laughs> but uh, we'll talk to you after the Colorado match. Hopefully we're talking about Carlos Vela uh, winning the golden boot, setting the, the, uh, the season, you know, the single season goals record, uh, hopefully we have plenty of goals so we can set it as a team and blow out the points total as well. So uh, here's to hoping that, that we can get it done. I think uh, I think I've heard some rumblings of, of a of a tifo going up before the match, so we'll see what the 3252 has in store. Josh, where can we find your stuff? LEFC Josh on Twitter and then over at Angels on Parade. There it is. You can follow the show at counterpress underscore. You can email us. At the counter, uh, the counter press show at gmail.com. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey. And that is all we have for tonight. Bye. <laughs>